We are two friends trying to gain perspective on the remarkable world around us. I'm Jet Jones. I'm Mackenzie DeMaio. And this is Friends Fascinated. If you like what you hear today, don't forget to review and subscribe. This episode, we are going to do a deep dive into Santa Claus. I had a lot of fun researching Santa Claus because I, I know there's a lot of traditions but I hadn't realized all the little pieces of traditions in Santa Claus and the stories and the myths and legends. And so I had a lot of fun learning about where all those came from and kind of remembering and, you know, having those fun like, oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. moments when researching. Yeah. And I know there's a bunch I don't know. So I purposely stayed away from any sort of research on actual Santa Claus and all those history things because... I don't know a lot about it, so I'm excited Mm -hmm. to see what you have for me. Yeah, I did a thorough deep dive on all of the history of Santa Claus and all of the different traditions and versions of Santa Claus, and so there is tons. So I definitely, like, I'll say up front, I am not going to be able to cover everything about every possible version and tie to Santa Claus because there's so much. Oh, and disclaimer... If you are a small child who <laughs> loves Santa Claus so, so much. And is so excited for their Christmas <laughs> presents from Santa. Uh, get off this podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is not for little kids. <laughs> we don't want to crush any dreams. <laughs> yes, so don't listen with your teeny tiny children. Yes. Um, that being said, assuming all children are uh, no longer listening, we talk a lot about how Santa's not real. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get going. Okay. So talking about Santa Claus, he is also commonly known as Father Christmas, St. Nicholas, St. Nick, Kris Kringle, or simply Santa. So most people, I think, register that as the same person. I've even heard Noel just like as his name. Really? Yeah. I've never heard that as a name. I know that's a Christmas thing, but I didn't realize that was a name. Good to know. I think it like translates into something, but I don't know. I believe it based off my research. Um, But basically, he's a legendary figure in Western Christian culture who is said to bring gifts to the homes of well-behaved children on the night of Christmas. Eve, which most commonly is December 24th, but I'll, I'll get into it, but there's other dates that that could fall on as well. Uh, and it's usually, yeah, in the sometime between the night of Christmas Eve when kids go to bed and Christmas morning when they wake up. So I'm sure most kids, as we do, remember waking up as early as you could on Christmas Eve to go open presents and stuff. So basically Santa is depicted as a portly, jolly, white-bearded man, an older gentleman who wears glasses, has a red coat with white fur cuffs and a white collar, and a black leather belt and boots. And a rosy cheeks. Yes, rosy cheeks. (laughs) Um, And this look became popular in the U.S. and Canada in the 19th century based on a significant poem in 1823 called A Visit from St. Nicholas, and this was done by Thomas Nast, and the image has been maintained and reinforced through songs, radio, television, and movies, kids' books, and advertising ever since. Santa is said to make a naughty list and a nice list with every child on it. Uh, for some reason, it does not include adults. Yeah. <laughs> I, I realized that in my Which research. Should, I was like, cause... wait, <laughs> at what point do they cut that off? Is it 18? Is it 12? Yeah. I don't know. Um, but yeah, and he supposedly checks it twice to make sure that all the naughty kids aren't going to get presents. Yep. So <laughs> a lot of parents use that to their advantage, but we'll get into that later. Um <laughs> So good kids are said to get candy and presents, but bad kids, at least in the U.S., get coal. 
and he has elves who make toys in his workshop at the North Pole, and he has flying reindeer that pull his sleigh. Uh, his signature laugh is a, a deep, like a ho, ho, ho. <laughs> yep. And so that's kind of the U.S., like the version I knew, but there's so much more than that. So the oldest version would be St. Nicholas, also known as St. Nick, and that dates back to the 4th century in ancient Greece. And he's a famous Christian man who was known for his generous gifts to the poor. Most famous was that he gave gifts to three impoverished daughters from a pious Christian with dowries, basically. Uh, so that way they didn't have to become prostitutes. Ooh, so he, he was looking to take care of people and, and keep them, you know, safe and cared for. So actually the one piece that I stumbled upon on Santa Claus <laughs> yeah. was about that specific story. Oh, really? And I think the part that I read that maybe wasn't in the article that you had um, mm -hmm. said that he put that money or dowry into their stockings in their Aww. drawer, hence why we use stockings Cute. now. I so. didn't know that. Again, but there's so many stories. Who knows true. what's true or not where that came from. But I think yeah. it's kind of cute that he, like, found their socks <laughs> and stuffed some money in their socks. <laughs> Can you imagine just opening your sock drawer and be like, oh, my gosh, I don't have to be a prostitute. <laughs> Best gift ever. Yeah. Um, but he was usually portrayed as a bearded bishop in a canonical robe. And that's – so I imagine that because I think I've seen, like, those Saint Nick mm -hmm. images and it's like it's a lot more neutral tones yep. he's, he looks like almost like a Game of Thrones character <laughs> where he's got like the the wool and the yeah. fur he's and just the an old-timey guy layers yeah yeah that kind of thing so during the middle ages on the eve of the 6th of December children were bestowed gifts in his honor and this date was earlier than the original date based on the day of Saint Nick basically and so this later moved to be the 24th and 25th of December. The custom of giving gifts to children at Christmas has been propagated by Martin Luther as an alternative to previous very popular gift customs of St. Nick. So I do want to make it like kind of emphasize what you're saying a little bit more because I know that's going to play in kind of important later. And so, so far you've talked about two versions of Santa Claus, the St. Nick and what we know as like the Jolly Red Santa mm -hmm. Claus. And one version is the naughty, nice version. Mm -hmm. And the other version is a really nice Christian man who gives to give. Yeah, and mainly to people who need it. Exactly. And, and then it developed into children and kind of, mm -hmm. I imagine it would be to instill good Christian behavior on yeah. children to see Reinforce that. Reinforce morals kind of. Yeah, you can, to remind them that there was people out there who were good and gave just to be good and kind to people. Um, and instill that in children. So anyway, just wanted to reiterate two pretty different versions that exist out there. And I think in America, because we're such a melting pot of mm -hmm. um, types of people from around the world, all of these things kind of meld together. And yeah. some people sway more one way than than another. Mm -hmm. um, they're both valid, but yep, just interesting to make note. Yeah, very interesting. So Martin Luther first suggested the Christ kind as the bringer of gifts, but Nicholas remained as the popular gift bearer for people going forward. So it was a long time later uh, when Father Christmas became popular in the 16th century of England, and he was pictured as a large man in green and scarlet robes lined with fur. Ooh. He typified the spirit of good cheer at Christmas, bringing peace, joy, good food, and wine, and Ooh, revelry. Ooh, I like him! <laughs> <laughs> His 
his uh, appearance was varied um, with different images based on um, actually John Leach's illustration of the ghost of Christmas present in Charles Dickens' festive classic, A Christmas Carol from 1843. So you can see already some of those different um, versions of what he's like or what he looks like or where that came from. I think you've inspired me. I'm going to post pictures of these different versions of Santa on our Instagram so you guys can all see because that's, I can picture the first two, but this Mm -hmm. other one, I'm like, hmm, he sounds kind of like cool and classy sort of (laughs) so i'll post stuff and see see what we find yeah yeah so he was the man who took scrooge through the bustling streets of london on the current christmas morning sprinkling the essence of christmas on everyone (sighs) sounds nice (laughs) in fact i'm actually kind of all these vibes you're giving me are making me feel more invigorated towards the holiday season yes we we were just talking about all of the pressures of christmas and christmas shopping and all of that so this is kind of a fun way to get back in the christmas spirit and and the joys it can bring yep um so then looking at some of the dutch belgian and swiss folklore in the netherlands and belgium the character of santa claus had to compete with and forgive me if i pronounce this wrong sinterklaas cute so there were different versions that basically referred to in their languages and different different titles for the christmas man father christmas in french different things like that but for children in the netherlands Sinterklaas remains the predominant gift giver in December and so um, they did a study and 36% of Dutch only give presents on Sinterklaas evening for the day itself which is December 6th whereas Mm. Christmas December 25th is used by another 21% to give gifts and then the best people celebrate both (laughs) which is oh yeah (laughs) yeah so 26% of the Dutch population give gifts on both days cute I, see, if I was them, I would do, like, stockings on mm-hmm. the 6th because those are, like, fun to pick That's through. That's true. Like, like a mini version. Things. Yes, mm-hmm. and then you go all out on the last one. See, I like that theory. In Belgium, Sinterklaas Day presents are offered exclusively to children, whereas Christmas Day, all ages may participate. Oh. So, different countries celebrate it different ways, and I understand why it might be more for the children, <laughs> Minus points for that one because uh, <laughs> that counts me out. <laughs> So after doing a little bit more research into Sinterklaas, we found that there are some problematic things that have gone on with the lore of this character. Um, He does have, um, I guess, like a sidekick, kind of almost like an elf type figure based on if you compare it to Santa Claus. But there have been some concerns about um, basically racism. And how these elves are depicted. Yes, they, they are depicted in a way that we don't agree with as blackface yes so it is hugely problematic and so um it sounds like maybe the culture like there are some different cultural associations with this type of practice and just the lore in general but we we wanted to address that we do see it as problematic but of course it is very far out of our culture and our context so we don't have Anything, I guess, more to say yeah. about than that? The, the one thing I want to make note is that I don't know the history of the Netherlands and slavery over there. and But in America, the reason blackface obviously is not okay is because it had a lot to do with discrimination and um, people who are black not being a part of our plays. Mm-hmm. And to have black people in plays, they were usually um, satire characters where they were basically being made fun of and made up, like white people were made up to look like scary looking, goofy looking black oh, people, geez, which yeah. is not okay. 
And people in the Netherlands are arguing that their sidekicks, or whatever his name is, Pete, are not blackface. But oh yes, they are. They're saying, so the debate is whether or not it's soot Mm -hmm. or blackface because they say that he's the guy who like helps yeah deliver the presents down the chimney yeah and so they're saying it's if it's not born out of race then it's not that well Mm -hmm. he doesn't look like a chimney sweep he He doesn't yeah it's very it's it's not good people are painting their entire faces ears and necks black and then they're putting on red lipstick like that's blackface not a little smudge of soot on your nose or something yeah exactly it's 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 not good so we were a bit shocked when we first started looking that up and so we, we wanted to address that it is problematic and we see that and we do not agree with it yep so then looking at the german pagan woden um that's the figure kind of compared to santa in German culture and so that was celebrated in a midwinter event called Yule and that is uh, a tradition absorbed from Yuletide celebrations into modern Christmas so that's something we hear a lot of in like Christmas songs and things about Yuletide and stuff so that was familiar but I I hadn't realized it was from an actual specific holiday or anything I, I didn't actually know what that meant. And then during this period, supernatural and ghostly occurrences are said to increase in frequency, such as the wild hunt, a ghostly procession through the sky, and the leader of the wild hunt is frequently attested as the god Woden. Hmm. Woden's role during the Yuletide period has been theorized as having influenced concepts of Saint Nick as a variety of facets, including some of his looks as well as um, the horse he had. And so um, you can see those comparisons from um, him having horses, Saint Nick having horses, but then Santa has reindeer and different mm-hmm. things like that. Mode of transportation with animals. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> <Kind of> magical. <laughs> uh, and then in popular Italian folklore, Bifana visits all the children of Italy on the eve of the Feast of Epiphany to fill their socks with candy and presents if they are good or a lump of coal or dark candy if they are bad let's hope it's dark candy because <laughs> you yes. know what i'm a fan of dark chocolate and <laughs> see that's what i was thinking i was like that doesn't sound bad i, I could deal with that yeah in uh, many poorer parts of italy and in particular rural sicily a stick is in the stocking in place of coal uh, being a good housekeeper many say that she would sweep the floor before she leaves to some the sweeping meant the sweeping away of the problems of the year so pleasant yeah that's so sweet and then the children's family typically leaves a small glass of wine and a plate with a few morsels of food charcuterie often often (laughs) regional or local uh for her to have so a better version of milk and cookies (laughs) if you ask me yep there should be like in our world let's say someday we tell our kids about the story of santa and Mm. mrs claus we should say (laughs) santa gets cookies and milk and mrs claus gets a glass of wine and and charcuterie oh yeah and that yeah that too we'll just keep adding to the list every year oh Oh, I forgot. <laughs> Mrs. Claus also likes this. In fact, Santa and Mrs. Claus are writing you a wish list this year. <laughs> yeah, here, here there, here's their list. Now you can trade. Time to go grocery shopping, kids. <laughs> uh, that's great. So Bifana is usually portrayed as a hag riding a broomstick through the air wearing a black shawl and covered in soot because she is also said to have entered the house through the chimney. I love that we have learned about witches already in our Witch I know. and Wiccan episode. It makes me appreciate it so much more. I know. It's like so magical. Yeah. So I love this version. I do too. She is often seen smiling and carrying a bag or a hamper filled with candy, gifts, or both. And she is often referred to as the Christmas witch. Love it. I love her. 
So then looking forward to the 19th century, we start to see a lot more of the things as far as kind of canon Santa, if you will. Um, what do you mean? Canon Santa. Canon meaning like the official story, not some of the... Do you not know what canon means? Apparently not. No. Oh. I, I was thinking the like photography company <laughs> canon no, for so, cameras. So canon, I believe it stands for canonical, is basically the real story. So oh. for example, your husband likes Star Wars. There are books that are non-canon that don't actually go with the real story and then there's like fan fiction. and then there's like fan fiction which is not canon gotcha. so that's a common saying sorry I, th- I thought it was a common okay, saying well hit me with the truth then yes so as far as some of the canon santa stories <laughs> uh in 1821 the book a new year's present contained a poem that was anonymous called old santa claus with much delight that described a poem that seemed to be one of the early depictions of santa claus having reindeer and a sleigh to bring presents to children some of the modern ideas of santa claus became canon after the anonymous publication of the poem a visit from saint nicholas better known today as the night before christmas there are of course the reindeer of santa claus so they have names so there's dasher <gasps> and, and dancer and, and prancer Don- oh. and vixen and, and Don- donner and <laughs> comet and cupid and blitzen you got them all i'll give Did you that I? that's not the order i know oh i'm doing the song yeah, Dasher and Dancer, Dancer and Prancer and Vixen, oh. Comet and Cupid, Donner and Donner and Blitzen. Blitzen. Isn't that what I said? No. Oh. That's okay. They're um, all, it's just kind of like when you learn your ABCs, they kind of all melt together and become new letters. Fun fact. I thought L-M-N-O-P was like a word. Yep. <laughs> it L-M-N-O-P. blended together so fast, I thought it was like, because at the end it goes X, Y, and Z. <laughs> I thought it was like another filler. Yep. I don't know why, but that always stood out to me. It's a struggle. Because I said it so fast. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but anyway, back to the reindeer. <laughs> uh, apparently, earlier versions, the names of Donner and Blitzen were Dunder and Blixem. And Dunder was... and Mifflin? <laughs> no. <laughs> now it is. <laughs> we can tell our kids, Comet and Cupid and Dunder, Dunder and Mifflin. <laughs> and the most wonderful reindeer of all michael scott (laughs) he's santa now i believe it (laughs) but those uh dunder and blixem came from old dutch words meaning thunder and lightning and they were later changed to the more german sounding donner and blitzen Hmm. i love it yeah Uh, blitzen is like a cool name dibs i'm naming my one of my kids blitzen you can have it blitz that's almost too much i don't know it's it's a lot. But that's me, though. That's true. <laughs> Jet. Anyway. <laughs> true. <laughs> Moving forward to... So this is 1845 is the first reference I saw to Kris Kringle, mm. which is crazy because that's so much more recent than all of the other yeah. references. So by 1845, Kris Kringle was becoming more of a common name in the United States, and it seemed to be from a magazine article in 1853 where it was described as someone who... And it seems to be based in Pennsylvania. He was called Kris Kringle... No, Chris. How? Wait, you're gonna have to spell this. K R I S H K I N K L. Chris. Chris Kinkle. Kinkle. Wait. There's no G. Is there an R? Chris. Kinkle. 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 <laughs> I hate it. I do too. <laughs> it's honestly though, it sounds. Well, the word Chris Kringle sounds a lot more American, so that's kind of where I thought you that's were going true. with it. But I don't know nope. why. It's like. Kush, K, 
Kinkle. Sounds That's like worse. <laughs> Yeah, so apparently in Pennsylvania, he was called Krish Kinkle, but in New York, he was still called St. Nicholas or Santa Claus. <laughs> so mm. that, as far as I know, is the kind of where that came from, which makes it crazy to me, at least, that it's that popular now. Again, with, I mean, you never think of it with a topic as like kind of trivial now as Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. It's like there are so many cultures and so many stories. And this is why like we kind of struggled with our witch episode is because like Yeah, it all competes know? a little. Yeah. You never know where it actually came from and what came first. And that's why it's it's kind of like magical and it's it's I can imagine if you were being pessimistic it would be very like overwhelming and kind of like you would want to squash all of it because it's like well who knows anyway so why do I care why would I want to do that but also if you see the beauty in like everyone throughout history with all these stories and beliefs of magic and giving and love and care have passed down this long like you can just take whatever pieces you like and just make it your own and love it. And I just think that's so cute. <laughs> yeah. And I'll talk about this more later, but I feel like a lot of the evolutions of Santa and some of the pieces of the story were because parents or people in the community were probably trying to answer kids' questions about, wait, how does Santa fly around the yeah. moon one night? And then they make something up and then it kind of evolves from there. So yeah. I think that's part of it too. Um, so one thing I mentioned earlier was that Thomas Nast was kind of the one who immortalized the Santa Claus illustration. And so... The jolly red Santa Claus. <laughs> yes. And then there was this other version. I think he maybe had more than one. But anyway, he immortalized Santa Claus with this illustration in 1863. And he had Santa dressed in an American flag and had a puppet named Jeff written on it. No. Which was reflecting its Civil War context. Yes. Yes. I'm looking this up right now. Please do. I would love to see it. Uh, I found a Santa that has stars on his jacket and stripes on his pants. That would make sense. That's like too American. That kind of brings it down a notch. Yeah. It's it's a lot. Very um forced patriotic. Oh. So that's a little puppet. Wait. I don't see a puppet. Oh, ew. Wait, what? Yeah. Ew. You. Ew. <laughs> I thought it was like a, a hand puppet, so not like a creepy stick, dancey street performer one. Yeah. It's really weird. Very weird. But anyway. Um, so then the story that Santa Claus lived in the North Pole may have been a Nast creation as well. His Christmas image, one from 1866, was a collage of engraved titled Santa Claus and his works, which included the captions Santa Clausville, NP, North Pole, hmm. a color collection of Nast pictures published in 1969 had a poem also titled santa claus and his works who wrote that santa claus's home was near the north pole in the ice and snow Hmm. the idea of a wife of santa claus may have been the creation of american authors beginning in the mid-19th century and so in 1889 the poet Catherine lee bates popularized mrs claus in the poem good santa claus on a sleigh ride and then moving forward to the 20th century a children's book from 1902 called the life and adventures of santa claus further popularized santa claus 
Much of Santa Claus's mythos was not set in stone at this time, so that left a lot of basically room to really set in stone his image and, and some of the lore. Um, so this included things like the laugh, ho ha ho. Ho ha ho? <laughs> yep. Mm. <laughs> ho ha ho. <laughs> and ten reindeer who could not fly but leapt in enormous flight-like bounds. Hmm. Sounds dangerous. <laughs> mm-hmm. I also saw references that Santa would have seen misery and poverty in the world and that he strived to find a way to bring joy into the lives of all children and eventually invents toys as a principal means. Cute. So very sweet. Um, Images of Santa Claus were also further popularized by depictions of him by the Coca-Cola Company, Christmas advertising in the 1930s, which is so fitting because I went to the world of Coca-Cola this week (laughs) and there was indeed a lot of um, Christmas Coca-Cola references and versions through the ages so i thought that was timely see i when you started talking about the history of santa claus and kind of the commercialization of it Mm -hmm. and it's i'm realizing now it's more of a conspiracy theory people just looking (laughs) for something you know but i thought the red jolly santa claus i've heard that that depiction of him was created for coca-cola you're a mind reader why Because I was about to say, the popularity of the image spawned urban legends that Santa Claus was invented by the Coca-Cola company, or that Santa wears red and white because of the colors promoted by the Coca-Cola brand. Well, there you go. So, you are absolutely a mind reader. (laughs) Uh, Historically, Coca-Cola was not the first soft drink company to utilize modern images of Santa Claus in its advertising. Uh, White Rock Beverages had already used a red and white Santa to sell mineral water in 1915. Well, there you Um, go. But, I mean, I think it's safe to say that Coca-Cola was a bit more more famous yeah it stuck and even today there's still you know christmas coca-cola ads and things Mm -hmm. Uh, the image of santa claus as a benevolent character became reinforced with its association with charities and philanthropy particularly by the organization of the salvation army volunteers dressed in santa claus typically becoming a fundraising drive near this time of year you know christmas time exactly (laughs) i don't think i've seen one in that's actually a santa before? Just usually a guy Just wearing someone, a hat. Just <laughs> someone, yeah, like maybe wearing a hat or something. In 1937, Charles W. Howard played Santa Claus in department stores and parades and established the Charles W. Howard Santa School, the oldest continually run school in the world where you can learn to become Santa. What? Yes. Man, that's like... I had no idea. Whole, that's a whole nether level of, yes. like, clown college. Have you ever heard of that? <laughs> Not as college. <laughs> what do they call it? Clown school? I don't know. Clown. I think I've heard clown school. That's, yeah. yeah, I had no idea. Not only do I want to dress up as something, yes. I want to emulate. Exactly. Santa I want to get a degree in it. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, other modern additions to the story of <laughs> Wait, Santa. I'm just imagining, like, a group of, like... 60-year-old men who were all retired, and they're like, this is my calling. And I'm just imagining them all sitting in a classroom, (laughs) and how creepy it would be to hear a whole bunch of 60-year-old men all practice their laugh. Oh, no! Ho, 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 ho. That's a good point. Creepy. Yeah, I don't know what all that includes. I didn't look too deep into it, but apparently it still exists. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, other modern additions are things like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Cute. and he's the ninth reindeer and led reindeer through the uh, foggy night, I believe it was, on Christmas. So that, that his Blizzard. 
Something like something that. like that. There was a storm or something, and Santa couldn't see, so his glowing red nose acted as a headlight of some kind. I love it. Yep. By the end of the 20th century, the reality of the mass merchandise production became fully accepted in Western public culture. So, yep. uh, it, it's pretty common to see Santa as a big marketing campaign yep. <laughs> this time of year. The 1912 actor. Leadham Bentock became the first actor to be identified as having played Santa Claus in a film. Cute. Uh, since then, many featured films have uh, had Santa Claus as a protagonist, including things like The Miracle on 34th Street, The Santa Claus, and Elf. Hmm. Elf's a classic. Yes, Elf is always a good one. One thing I thought was interesting, this was a quote by uh, Jonathan Meath, who portrayed Santa in 2011. Uh, he's a TV producer, but he said that Santa really is the only cultural icon we have who's male, who does not carry a gun, and is all about peace, joy, giving, and caring for other people. That's part of the magic for me, especially in the culture where we have become so commercialized and hooked on manufacturing icons. Santa is much more organic, integral, connected to the past, and therefore connected to the future. And I thought that was interesting because when I think of male figures now, I think of, like, Iron Man and, like, superheroes and people that are fighting and, like, Mm -hmm. maybe controversial in ways. And so I thought – I hadn't thought of it that way, but it's true. Hmm. He's just there to be good. Yep. I like that. Oh, this was a fun one. The Guinness World Record for the largest gathering of Santa Clauses is held in India, where in 2014, on December 27th, 18,000 Santas came overtaking the current record from Northern Ireland. Wow. 18,000 Santas. That's half the population of where we live. Literally. So many Santas. Ooh, this one's fun too. Hit me. SantaCon is an annual pub crawl in which people (laughs) dressed as Santa Claus costumes or as other Christmas characters parade in various cities around the world. Can't say I wouldn't do it. (laughs) I'd do it. I'd pub crawl as, you know, an elf or Mrs. Claus or something Mm -hmm. fun. So I thought that was cool. We could have our wine and charcuterie that way. (laughs) There you go. Ooh, I call the Christmas witch. Oh, that is a good one. Yep. Mm. (laughs) So maybe we can start it locally. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so as far as the specific traditions of Santa, and again, I hadn't realized just how many there were until I'd seen them broken down and talked through. So, um, Santa Claus going down the chimney was one. So Mm. the tradition of Santa Claus entering dwellings through the chimney is shared by many European, uh, seasonal gift givers. In pre-Christian Norse traditions, Odin would often enter through the chimney and fire holes on the solstice. Uh, As I said earlier, Bifana, the Italian folklore, uh, she would also go through the chimney and she was traditionally covered in soot from going down the chimney. Uh, St. Nick as well, he actually tossed coins through windows, but in later versions, if the windows were locked, he would toss them down the chimney. And so uh, Santa's entrance into homes on Christmas Eve via chimney was made part of the American tradition through the poem A Visit from St. Nicholas, where the author described him as an elf. And so one thing I thought was interesting, I actually had to do a little extra digging, and I don't know for sure if this is the actual reason, but the reason that Santa gives coal is because he's coming down the chimney, so he grabs coal from the uh, chimney. He's like, oh, since I was here, Exactly, here you like, go. oh, you were bad, here you have some <laughs> coal from the chimney. Yeah. And so, um, which also makes sense that it would be sticks, because it's also wood from the chimney. Yeah. So that's so, the only like, thing I saw. It's so, like, passive-aggressive, <laughs> like... I came all the way down here to give you this. Yeah, exactly, like... I didn't bring anything down for you specifically, but since it was here, basically. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I thought that was interesting, but it makes sense. 
Yep. Uh, and then as far as the tradition of Christmas Eve in the United States and Canada, traditions are usually that kids leave milk and cookies for Santa. In Britain and Australia, they leave sherry and beer oh, and yeah. minced pies. What? Much more fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Denmark, Norway, and Sweden, it is common that children leave him rice porridge with cinnamon sugar instead. Mm. Uh, in Ireland, it's popular to give him Guinness or milk alongside Christmas pudding or mince pie. Heck yeah. In Hungary, St. Nicholas comes on the night of December 5th, and children get their gifts the next morning. They get sweets in the bag if they were good, or if they were bad, they get golden colored birch switch, if not. I don't know what that is. I think, I think it's a stick again. Maybe. That makes sense. Hmm. Uh, on Christmas Eve, little Jesus comes and gives gifts for everyone in Hungary. Huh. New Zealand, British, Australian, Irish, Canadian, and American children also leave carrots for Santa's reindeer, yep. which is so sweet. I've done that. Uh, they are told that if they are not good all year round, they'll receive a lump of coal in their stocking, although the actual practice of giving coal is now considered archaic. Yeah. Which, I mean, I, I can't imagine parents actually do that. Yeah. I hope not. Um, children following the Dutch custom of Sinterklaas will put out their shoes, leaving hay and a carrot for the horse in the shoe before <laughs> going to bed, sometimes weeks before Sinterklaas comes, and the next morning they will find hay and the carrot replaced by a gift. Aww. Often this is a marzipan figurine. Naughty Ooh. children were once told that they would be left a row, so a bundle of stick, instead of sweets, but this practice has also been discontinued. Hmm. Uh, and then also the tradition of ho, ho, ho. So ho, ho, ho is the way, I can't say it normal, ho, ho, ho. Is, <laughs> no, it sounds no, wrong. Be chipper about ho, it. Ho, ho, ho. There you go. That still <laughs> sounds wrong. Ho, ho, ho is the way that many languages write out Santa's laugh. And so it's ho, 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 Merry Christmas. Uh, and it's a rendition of a particular type of deep-throated laugh or a chuckle. Yeah. Uh, it's most associated today with either Santa Claus and uh, Father Christmas as well. So the laughter of Santa Claus has long been an important attribute uh, and so one thing I thought was cool is, I mean, a lot of this is, he has different names and different languages and stuff, but that was one thing that was consistent across all languages. So I thought that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so from the poem, A Visit from St. Nicholas, it says that Santa has a little round belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. <laughs> cute. <laughs> Which is cute and gross. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> yep. It's a weird visual, but. Uh, so then um, looking kind of at the idea of Santa Claus's house and his, you know, workshop and all of that, it says that Santa's home traditionally includes a residence and a workshop where he creates often with uh, the aid of elves or supernatural beings, and then he delivers the gifts to the good children. Some stories include legends of a village that are inhabited by his helpers, surrounding by his home and shop uh, in North America, and so the United States and Canada. Santa lives at the North Pole, which, according to Canada Post, lies within Canada jurisdiction oh. in the postal code, wait for it, h 0 h 0 h 0 Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> That's so cute. I giggled out loud when this when I read that. I was so excited because Canada basically said Santa's postal code is ho, ho, ho. <laughs> and they, so as far cute. as I know, still say that. Hmm. Um, traditionally, though, H addresses or H postal codes are actually the island of Montreal in Quebec. So, I mean, that's the true area where that would be. So yeah. maybe... Santa lives in Quebec. Yeah. Uh, 
2008, John Kenny, Canada's Minister of Citizenship, Immigration, and Multiculturalism, formally awarded Canadian citizenship to Santa Claus. Aww. It made me so happy to read that. <laughs> so uh, if you were wondering, Santa is formally Canadian. Yep. Um, so it said, the government of Canada wishes Santa the very best in his Christmas Eve duties and wants to let him know that as a Canadian citizen, he has the automatic right to re-enter Canada once his trip around the world is complete. Ooh, they're making a statement. I thought it was so sweet. <laughs> I was so excited. All of my favorite facts are about Canada. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so there is also a city named the North Pole in Alaska, mm -hmm. where tourist attractions known as the Santa Claus House has been established. The United States Postal Service uses the city zip code of 99705 as their advertised postal code for Santa Claus. Hmm. There's a Wendy's in the North Pole in Alaska that claims to have a sleigh fly-through instead of a drive-through. Oh! I love yeah, it. I love it. And too. I know we have some international listeners, we but do. Wendy's is a fast food restaurant here. <laughs> Good point. I wouldn't have thought to clarify that. So each Nordic country claims that Santa resides in their territory. Norway claims that he lives in Drobak. Again, I apologize for my pronunciation of all of these things. In Denmark, he is said to live in Greenland. In Sweden, in the town of Mora, which has a theme park named Tomteland. The National Postal Terminal in Tomtaboda in Stockholm receives children's letters from Santa. In Finland, there is a place that has long been known as Santa's home, and they have two theme parks, Santa Claus Village and Santa Park. So Santa starts to show up around this time of year. I keep saying this time of year. Around early December, and so he'll start to show up in malls or popular areas, parades, things like that. And so kids will visit Santa and take a picture on his lap, and they'll tell him what they want for Christmas and maybe give him their letter or their list. Uh, and so it's pretty common to have a Santa set up where you can take pictures and then pay for them. Yeah. <laughs> and um, that ritual dates back actually to like the 19, I think 1918 was the year I saw. Hmm. So most notable would be the Macy's in New York and then the Macy's Day Parade is where you'll see him. Cute. In Canada, malls operated by Oxford Properties established a process by which autistic children could visit Santa Claus at the mall without having to contend with crowds. The malls open early to allow entry of only families with autistic children who have private visits with Santa Claus. And then Adorable. in 2012, the South Center Mall in Calgary was the first to offer this service. Hmm. So I thought that was super sweet that they're thinking of all the kids in the world. Yeah, I love that. Go Canada. <laughs> In the United Kingdom, discount stores Poundland. That's like Dollar Tree. Right? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're right. Uh, Poundland changes the voice of its self-service checkout to be Santa Claus throughout huh. the Christmas retail period. I love that. I do too. Wait, but also British? Yes, British Santa. That sounds amazing. Hang on. Don't try it. I'm going to try it. Oh no. <laughs> no, I can't. Okay, wait. don't. Wait. Ah. Wait. I'm scared. <laughs> No, I can't. <laughs> okay, good. I'm going to stop you there before you go any further. <laughs> um, uh, and as I said earlier, there are schools offering instructions on how to act as Santa Claus. Uh, for example, children's television producer, as I mentioned, Jonathan Meath, studied at the International School of Santa Claus and earned a degree, a Master's of Santa Claus in 2006. Oh, my God. Yes, it blossomed into a second career for him, and then after appearing in parades and malls, he appeared in the cover of American Monthly Boston Magazine as Santa. Hmm. 
So you can be a career Santa. Yeah. Uh, and then um, also letters to Santa was, of course, another common tradition. So writing letters to Santa had become a Christmas tradition for children for many years. The letters contained wish lists of toys and assertions of good behavior. Some social scientists have found that boys and girls write different types of letters. Girls generally write longer but more polite letters and express the nature of Christmas more in their letters than in letters written by boys. Girls are also more likely to request gifts for other people, which was sweet. Um, most postal services allow children to send letters to Santa Claus. These letters can be answered by postal workers or volunteers, and so writing letters to Santa Claus has actually educational benefits, which was something I'd never thought about before, but it promotes literacy, computer literacy, and email literacy. So a letter to Santa is often a child's first experience of correspondence, and so writing and sending letters with the help of a parent or teacher, a child will learn about the structure of a letter, salutations, and the use of addresses and postal codes. The United States Postal Service Santa Letter Answering Effort started in 1912 out of the historic James Farley Post Office in New York. Since 1940 has been called Operation Santa to ensure that letters to Santa are adopted by charitable organizations, major corporations, local businesses, and individuals in order to make children's holiday dreams come true from coast to coast cute but also marketing strategy true you think about it they're like we're a postal service and we need people to send mail so uh that's true <laughs> get writing those <laughs> letters in their business would you like to buy some stamps <laughs> you got a point you got a point <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in my head i was like oh all this extra work that's so nice hmm. i work in marketing yeah so. you do <laughs> So those seeking a North Pole holiday postmark through the United States Postal Service are told to send their letters by December 10th to North Pole holiday postmark, postmaster 4141, postmark drive, Anchorage, Alaska, 99530-9998. Cute. So if you want to send your kids postcards, or I guess letters, letters to, to Santa, Santa, and you want them answered, <laughs> that can be a good place if you're in the U.S., in 2006, according to a study, a survey of national postal operations, the France Postal Service received the most letters for Santa Claus, or their version of Santa Claus, which is, I believe, pronounced Pierre Noel, which is probably what you mentioned earlier, Noel. Uh, and that was over a million letters to Santa from 126 countries. Wow. And that was just in France. Wow. So that's crazy. Um, so that was the main facts I had. I did see some criticism of Santa. So some Christians, particularly Calvinists and Puritans, disliked the idea of Santa Claus, as well as Christmas in general, believing that the lavish celebrations were not in accordance with their faith. Other nonconformist Christians condemn the material focus of contemporary gifts giving and see Santa Claus as a symbol of that culture. Yep. And then Mary Baker Eddy, the founder of Christian Science Movement, wrote that children should not be taught that Santa Claus has ought to do with Christmas pastime. A deceit or falsehood is never wise. And so that actually aligns quite a bit with the way I was raised because it's kind of unusual, I would say, but I was actually not taught to believe in Santa. When I was little, I was told that Santa Claus is a story or a game that kids play and that it's kind of a secret and that some kids do believe in Santa. So I wasn't supposed to tell anyone mm -hmm. that Santa wasn't real, but I was taught that Santa is not real and it's just a story or a fun game. And the reason for that was because I was raised in a Christian home. And so my mom, her reasoning was that she thought that if we were taught that Santa was real and then told that they lied, that we would think Jesus wasn't real and that was a lie too. So mm. that was the logic for her, which I mean, I think it's good logic. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, we were just taught that it was a game, but that it was a surprise or a secret and that we weren't supposed to tell anyone else. Mm -hmm. So 
I, I do remember once or twice my brother did tell kids that Santa wasn't real and that led to some tears and so pressure. yes it could be a bit of a dramatic event if we <laughs> accidentally told a kid that Santa wasn't real but I remember being I don't know what kid or what age kids normally find out about Santa not being real but I remember being you know 10 and being surprised that kids still believe in Santa kind of thing. <laughs> Hi I'm Jet and <laughs> I'm pretty sure I didn't get formally told that Santa wasn't real until I was 11. Maybe I was 9. Maybe I was 11. I can't really remember, but I think I, mean, I was that, 11. <laughs> it makes sense. I, I remember. That's so, late. That is late. It's late. That's probably the latest. And that those are the ones where I was surprised. And so usually <laughs> it was just in passing, like, it'd be close to Christmas and someone would be like, what do you want from Santa? And I'd be like, uh... <laughs> Uh, toys like <laughs> just so caught off guard like oh Christ's love so, jimmy christ's love is what, I what my mom Santa. wanted me to say <laughs> uh, so my upbringing so i think a lot of the like fuel behind it is my dad loves christmas mainly like the gift giving part it's um, fun yeah he it's, it's good spirited my dad had a pretty rough childhood and i know one christmas that he always talks about was i think his mom was either dating or married to a guy who was like pretty well off um and that was the first time that someone with money was ever a part of their family and one year they like spoiled my dad for christmas i think he got like a train set and like tons of army men or something and it like blew his stinking mind (laughs) and so ever since then he's always gone pretty ham for christmas (laughs) no matter what so see my family went kind of all out for christmas but i remember my mom telling me when i was little that it's rude to ask people what they got for christmas and it's rude to I guess, brag about it. So, I mean, my, my family didn't have very much money, but even still, like, there's always going to be differences. Someone's going to get more and someone's going to get less. So I was taught not to talk about it, but mm. I know other kids would run up and be like, what did you get this year? Hi, my name's Jay. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I did. Oh, sorry. <laughs> but no, it's okay. And again, we're going to get into this a little bit we deeper. Will. But every kid is different and every yeah. family And every kid is, is raised different. And that's a kid's instinct. I was just very specifically taught, like, you don't ask people what they got yeah, because see. I think my family was kind of in the middle where we had more than some people but less than others. And mm. so I think my parents were just very sensitive to that. Yeah. I remember in – It's uh, not your fault. <laughs> I literally – so I was trying to find something on Facebook because there, there's something I'm going to talk about later. And um, I – for when you search in Facebook, in the Facebook, like, search bar, I looked up, like, Santa Claus post – and one of my posts from 2010, so Uh-oh. I would have been... 15? 15, yep. 14, 15, 15. Um, I asked everybody what they got for Christmas <laughs> on my Facebook post at 15. Oh. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. You're the kid that my mom warned me. <laughs> exactly. No, really. And Aww. again, it's just a reminder that... There's a lot of privilege out there. There's yep. a lot of kids. So, like, in my family, it was like, we're going hard for Christmas. And at that point, of course, they didn't believe in Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. But it was still like, are you sure party? we're <laughs> <laughs> But everybody, like, the energy in my house was like, gifts, yeah. <laughs> like, that's yeah. what it was about. So, for me, it was like, what did you get? This is the best. Like, let's yeah. all talk about it. That sort of thing. Not like a, I got this. So, if you didn't get that, you're lame type of thing. But, yeah. Anyway, first world problems and weirdness. But um, anyway, so the story goes for me that – so that 
and this will align with some of the research that I did. But of course, at around the age of 9, 10, or 11, when I figured it out, or when I was told. <laughs> did you have an inkling at the age I of... I definitely had an inkling. 12? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> when I was 18, <laughs> my mom sat me down. No, well, so... And I would say, and I guess my question to you would be, did you have, like, suspicions and did your dad make up stories to, like, make it last longer? Yes and no. I think that's part of it is that kids get told, like, really elaborate stories to cover it up. And that's why some kids okay. are even older. So, you know that weird age when you're, like, past being a preteen and you're, like, 15, 16, 17. Mm-hmm. And you're starting to have feelings for whoever you have feelings for, like, crushes, like, pretty serious ones, right? Just bear with me. I'm I'm listening. (laughs) Ignore my face. your parents say, like, watch out for boys or, like, be careful or do you have crushes on anybody? Or, like, maybe your older sibling is like, so-and-so, like, so-and-so type Mm -hmm. of thing. And you're like, no, I freaking don't. Boys are so freaking nasty. I hate (laughs) them. They smell bad. I hate that. That sort of thing. Right? Okay. Yep. Okay. So that's. Especially for the youngest child or whatever, there's this psychology that exists there where you're trying to convince your parents Mm. that you think they're nasty because you don't don't. want them to know that you're, like, starting to have crushes on boys and those sorts of things. In my case, I was already dating my husband. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, quite literally, guys, I started dating my husband at 13 years old. But anyway. What does this have to do with Santa? The point... (laughs) is that when you are a kid and you are, especially in my case, I was the youngest in the family, and there's this perception that you want from your parents to have of you where at that point, since I was pretty Mm. late in the game, I could acknowledge the fact without any intellectual verbiage behind it, like I am the youngest in the family. I am where the magic of Christmas lies. Well, and your dad loves Santa. Exactly. So you don't want to break his heart? Exactly. And so for me, I didn't realize that I was projecting a pressure on myself to keep that existence of my purity and Christmas and magic Mm -hmm. alive while trying to, like, you know, do that for the family. Well, and it's like, I mean, I don't know if your kids ever, or kids, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if your parents ever told you and your siblings, like, don't grow up, stop getting big. Oh, yeah. It's like that, but more. Like, don't grow up, and it's like, I don't want to accidentally, like, spoil this because I grew up. So it's very deep-seated, and of course, back then I didn't realize, but the way it worked out for me is I think... I asked one question to my mom, and just to give people some context, my dad was a stay-at-home dad because he's retired from the military, and my mom worked a lot because she's a pharmacist. Um, And so most of my interactions, so if my dad is the guy who's, like, super into Christmas and he's at home every day, that's what's being projected at home. Mm -hmm. But then my mom, like, came in and out of my life in evenings and weekends. Um, And Mm -hmm. I think one night... I asked some question to my mom (laughs) without my dad being around and I don't think they realized and they weren't really on the same page. I mean, they're divorced now, so who knows? (laughs) But um, she, something came up. I don't remember. Some sort of question. And it sparked in my mom's mind that it was time for me to know that Santa Claus wasn't real. It's probably for the best. And so I think two hours passed since I had asked her that whatever question about Santa, probably questioning the reality of it. And uh, she came into my bedroom and sat down with me and was like, Jet, 
Santa isn't real. And I was like, Whoa! like I put on this big, like, no, like I didn't cry. Wait, mm. <laughs> maybe I cried. Maybe it wasn't a show. Yeah. Well, so again, it is, but it isn't right. Cause the things that I was mourning in those moments were more of like, I'm losing this purity in my parents' eyes. Like I'm mm. not just the baby of the family mm-hmm. who gets to keep the magic going and so for me, I wanted to make a big scene about it as if I didn't already know. And mm-hmm. so there's a lot of weird overlap in this. So I realized that at the it's time kinda... I knew, but I didn't know. Yeah. And the things I was trying to project were things that I didn't realize I was projecting. And so they come out emotional and like naive and kind of yeah. goofy. It's kind of like um, there's an episode of Modern Family where um, the oldest daughter, who is like a total partier and stuff, she, uh, on her 21st birthday, goes out with like her mom and her <laughs> uncles and this. stuff. And they all get shots. And so she just like takes this shot like it's nothing. <laughs> no and they all look at her. And then the, she goes, ooh, it burns. Like as <laughs> if trying to fake that it was her first shot of yeah. alcohol ever. And so it's like, a little kid version of that exactly. where it's like, oops, uh, I'm innocent. <laughs> exactly. So that, makes sense. that being said, uh, I think my mom told me 15 days before Christmas. Ooh. <laughs> so my dad was a little pissed about the timing because you could say it was a little salty for a while. Maybe ruined Christmas a little. <laughs> that year I was pretty bitter. Um... At that point, I'm pretty sure my parents had wrapped most of our presents and signed them from Santa. Well, my dad did because my mom was working, so my dad had to be Santa and wrap the presents, right? So he had already signed Mm -hmm. the packages from Santa. So, like, I probably made a comment every gift I opened, like, yeah, freaking right, dad. (laughs) Oh, jeez. Well, okay. I never have given my dad that much sass. I don't believe you. No, I wouldn't, but I probably would kind of give him a side eye, like, (laughs) oh, really? (laughs) And then I remember watching Christmas movies like Santa Claus, the Christmas movie, and sitting next to my sister and being <laughs> like, so that's fake. And that's fake. Yeah. What a fraud. So anyway, I was yeah. quite sassy about it. Well, and watching Christmas movies, that's not one thing we didn't touch on, but watching Christmas movies is totally like a tradition for a lot of people, yeah. maybe on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day to watch like, I don't know, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And I always watch- sure it's um, Elf now. Yeah, Elf 2. I think that's maybe a little bit more for older kids, though. Yeah. What was the one um, with the snowman? Frosty. Frosty the snowman. That was, like, my favorite. I don't know. He features in a lot of Christmas movies, but I don't He's know. He's got a movie. I've Yes, I've seen it. But I think that's for, like, really young kids. Yeah, I was little. So. It has a special place in my heart. Cute. We should watch it this year. Okay. <laughs> Cute. So, anyway, that's my story. But, um, so my role today is to kind of get us talking about the psychology of this a little bit more because yeah you and I have talked a lot about like the pros and cons and whether or not it's better or worse because we had very different versions yes of of that so we're in this weird limbo state that we need to address in that our perspective is one without children Mm -hmm. we don't have them and we don't know when we will (laughs) and uh so and we're out of the stage where like there's anyone really Mm -hmm. that we know who believes yeah we we don't know we don't have anyone that lives close to us with small children that believe in Santa. so we don't have to pretend or yeah make yeah it's not an active part of our christmas (laughs) yeah and um my only window into that life is at work, we happen to work with mostly people who are older than us. Yeah. And um, there's a lot of 
girls in my group or women who have little kids and they talk mm. about their experience with it and those sorts of things and everybody's a little bit different but we wanted to kind of dive into it a little bit deeper and see what the pros and cons actually are so we can talk about it a little bit more and kind of feel out maybe how to handle this someday if and when we have children yeah um not that our decision now makes we can change our minds exactly so we'll see we'll see how the world pans out a little bit but i also did want to mention first and foremost our children if not the internet, something more intense See, than the internet is going to exist. So that's I a good point because now imagine. when kids are like seven, they can Google "Is Santa real?" Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, are we the last generation to not have internet at the age of Santa? Yeah, yeah. Whoa. So that's just something I wanted to note. Like, that's I that's a really good point. I don't know how. With the wealth of knowledge we have at our fingertips, and little kids have iPads nowadays. Like, yep. how the heck you can't figure stuff like that out so weird i hadn't thought of that so anyway interesting but if we're going in with the same traditional upbringings of how we were raised at least roughly mm-hmm. how we would want to either tell our children not tell our children how we would raise them so i looked up a couple articles with just like varying perspectives and different views on when and where and how and if to tell your children mm-hmm. santa is real or not Um, So one of them that I found is on psmag.com, and this guy is writing about how he believed in Santa and kind of his experience, so I'm going to go ahead and read it. He said, I believed in his experience with the most surgical approach, tracking his movements broadcasted on local news, noting that all his gifts came in different, much fancier wrapping paper. I also checked for lip marks on the empty glass of milk I left (laughs) for him. Wow. And then he said, polls show that 84% of American adults believed in Santa when they were children. And I'm guessing the author of this article is probably in his 30s. So if we're looking at the age of adults now, and like you said, we're talking about the pool of children who are pre-internet. Yeah. So I, I would imagine that that number would be more skewed now. But anyway. Yeah, but even still, like, those kids even if they have the internet at one point they would have believed probably yeah yeah that's true so he said in second grade i asked my mom how santa could make so many public appearances on such a tight schedule not every santa was the actual santa she said they were just guys that the real santa asked to help him out (laughs) how logical i thought santa's a busy man (laughs) that sort of loving lie parents tell their children about santa It's a pretty easy lie to tell. It's ingrained in a part of our culture. Talking to kids about Santa feels like weirdly normal. Letting children use their imaginations to conjure this image is healthy, psychologists argue, saying that the practice is what will later help them dream up inventions and other big ideas. I will say you're a lot more creative than me. (laughs) That's Dan's. Hmm. Well, and we'll get a little bit deeper later, but I mean, we can touch on this as I go. Um... It's similar to how you're talking about writing letters Mm. and how, of course, you could say that children, I mean, at the age of maybe four, are going to try to write. Yeah. Can four-year-olds write? I think they can. Not well, but (laughs) yeah. scribble some letters that they think are words. (laughs) And that's their first practice at writing a letter. In the same way. Exercising those muscles in their brain. Yes. So to be the devil's advocate to this quote about being more creative because you believe in santa i would say there's other avenues to help your child imagine things so again if we're doing a comparison maybe it would be helpful but 
maybe not. Um, similarly, fairy tales have been shown to be an effective and more meaningful way to teach children morals. The naughty or nice list becomes a guide to growing up to be a decent person, even if your goodness is derived from fear of not receiving a Furby. <laughs> <laughs> I like that line because um, a lot of the perspectives I've heard about Santa Claus is using him as a tool to have your children give you good behavior and those sorts mm-hmm. of things, which the thing that I really enjoyed about what you talked about about St. Nicholas is that his motive was out of the goodness of his heart. Yeah. And personally, this is just my opinion here, I don't know if I love the idea of... And I, and as you said, a lot of it has been phased out in most cultures where the child gets something bad. I mean, I feel like you'd have to have a really bad kid, but if you had a really bad kid, does that mean you're being a really bad parent? Oh, no. <laughs> not trying to We're be, not going there. Yeah, but I'm just... I'm. Just saying, yeah. I think a lot of people have filtered that out because it seems a little bit too harsh. Yeah. But they do they do say, like, be careful, Santa's watching you. Like, yeah. That sort of thing, which, may, I mean, within reason, I think is all right Um, if you use it as a guide to make sure your children are being polite and I gracious. I can see why it would be a tool to say, like, hey, that's a bad thing. That's what get kids on the naughty list yeah. kind of thing. Like as a tool to learn right from wrong. Yeah. Not as a tool to manipulate them into being on their best behavior. Mm-hmm. It makes me think of the show The Good Place where they talk about how basically to get into the good place or the bad place, so heaven or hell, you get points. But the points don't count if you're doing it with bad intentions. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of that idea. I like it. Yeah. I love that show. I do too. So he says about 54% of the children, himself included, find out the truth from someone who's not a parent. Like your brother. Oh no! <laughs> My brother, I'm pretty sure, at least told three probably more kids that Santa wasn't real. <laughs> yeah. Probably on accident. Like he thought they didn't believe anymore. Yeah. Or maybe, and, and I think kind of the idea was that other kids that were raised in a Christian home were taught the same things, mm-hmm. whereas kids who weren't raised in a Christian home maybe weren't, I, I don't know. Yeah. So he said, about three weeks before Christmas, a fellow eight-year-old told mm-hmm. me the deal and I laughed him off. No, Santa, you're crazy. If Santa wasn't real, then how could there be carrot leftovers at the bottom of our chimney that he clearly threw back down after bringing them up to the roof to feed his reindeer? The same carrots I carefully laid out alongside some Nutrigrain bars because my grandpa said Santa was trying to be a little healthier that year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> and he said, while not enough to break my resolve, he had planted a seed of doubt. Before school the next morning, just like me, so innocently, he asked his mom the hefty question. Stopping her before we got in the car, she walked over, sat me down, and gave me the sweetest reply. She said, Santa was once a real person, and we now honor him by giving thoughtful gifts to the people we love most. He's a feeling in our hearts. Yeah, I know. I thought Santa is a feeling in my heart and also an elderly obese man who carries down, (laughs) wait, who writes me back every Christmas. Seeing that I clearly wasn't getting it, she took a breath and said, but no, Santa is not real. Oh, that's a nice way to, oh no. He lost it. (laughs) Oh no. He said, no. And he was bawling his eyes out. And he was late for school. Anyway. <laughs> Three weeks before Christmas. Again, so it's got impeccable timing, before, Mom. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. Kids don't it, ask after. Yeah. <laughs> like all those gifts that Santa brought, were you lying? Mm. 
So parents, if you're going to decide to tell your children this, maybe think around like July. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, by the way, kid. Yeah. You're not thinking about Christmas, so let's spoil it now. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. Um, So he says, kids up to four, five, six, and seven live in what we call fantasy life magic years. Pediatrics professor Benjamin Siegel told PBS. I suppose my Santa breakdown came from the idea that my fantasy life magic years were over. With the destruction of Santa came the destruction of Christmas, and the end of Christmas meant the world was ending with it. Did we have to take down the tree now that the ruse was up? What about our Griswold status lights? I saw my holiday wonderland crumble around oh, me. That's a good point. I could see why it's like, oh, we don't do Christmas anymore because you don't believe it. Exactly. So I could see why that could be traumatic. Mm-hmm. But also that's when you start to, I feel like that's when kids start to ask like, oh, well, what about the tooth fairy and the yep. Easter bunny and everything else? Uh, okay, you're reading my mind. This is weird. His <laughs> literal next sentence is, when I emerged from beneath the pine tree, oh. I approached my mom with one essential question. Was the tooth fairy real? Looking apprehensively at my mucus-stained face, she slowly asked, Do you really want to know? (laughs) The answer was simple. No. (laughs) So I can relate to this story a lot because as I said, one of the things that I think we should address with this story and maybe my story is, first of all, timing. Second of all, considering the fact that there's a chance that your child might not want to know that's true so if you do so decide to tell your children that santa's real consider figuring out if they're ready to know and usually you can judge that if they're being inquisitive about the logistics of what's going on because if your child has enough reasoning to be like having doubt about all the logistics and where and why santa is where he is it might be time. I mean, in his case, I guess he did kind of ask the question. I will say it was posed to him. Yeah, that's true. That's so. true. Truth. Uh, yeah, it, it's hard because I could see either way. Because the nice thing about the way I was raised, I, I didn't believe in Santa. So I never had my heart broken about Santa. That's true. And I never was worried that there wasn't going to be a Christmas or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But I also never, I'll, I'll never understand what that magic, magic like, felt like you know so I don't, yeah. I don't know it's hard to say if i missed anything or not so i could see a case either way so it's funny you talk about the magic because i'll say the movie the polar express like that movie when so this i'm pretty sure polar express came out the year before i figured it out mm-hmm. but being at the stage where i was like almost the age of the kid in the movie and like seeing the magic of that play out while believing in it was mm-hmm. so just like it just fills you with love and magic and mystery. <laughs> that is a good movie. All like as you mentioned and we talked about creativity a lot. It it opens you up to being more open to your worldview and yeah. what exists and doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we could argue now that I feel like in our lives I have an easier time breaking free of yeah, societal whatever's to like <laughs> question loopy ideas. <laughs> I don't know. Just like yeah. kind of having free th- thought in that way I don't know I and I don't know if it's derived from this or again it could just be a mix of things from your childhood so anyway kind 
of interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. And one thing that that reminds me of in, I think it's that movie where, you know, you can hear the bell when you believe and then you can't yeah. and you can't. Yeah, and see, my dad of... gave me that bell the really? year before I figured Aww. out. And so I was pretty bitter about hanging up that bell the next Aww. year, <laughs> you can imagine. So. It'd be funny if he took out the little thing that made it real. Oh. <laughs> but not funny oh. at all. I'm I'm going to be a bad parent. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, I was going to say that's like one of the things where, because the big question is you don't get presents from Santa as an adult. And it's kind of the idea of kids who their parents either believe or don't believe determine if your presents come from Santa or your parents. And it's like all this elaborate thing with Mm. all these excuses or reasons. And I think the movies add such a huge layer to it of those like, I guess, lies. Yeah, the things that kids are told and then it makes it easy when parents get asked questions about like how does Santa do this well there's already 12 lies for that so you yeah. just pick your favorite yeah yeah so something I did kind of want to mention so as we're reading into this a little bit more and talking out loud about it I feel like I'm kind of gaining a little bit more perspective into maybe how I would like to move forward with this if I do have kids and um it's kind of this idea that there are all these stories and poems and um, artworks and ideas and affiliation to religion behind it that why couldn't it just be a story mm-hmm. that you can teach your child to learn the moral of the story mm-hmm. without being a part of the story, right? It's just about projecting the vibes, the the moral, the ethics behind what's going on in the story without convincing them that Santa is the guy who brings the presents down the chimney mm-hmm. and all those things rather than being like, here's the story, here are the movies, here's the culture, mm-hmm. here's the magic, here's the things everybody dreams about and how exciting it is. But it is a story. Yeah, because kids get that type of magic and imagination through any like Disney movie like Mm -hmm. Peter Pan like they still imagine flying and Mm -hmm. fairies and this magical land and they're not taught that it's real it's Mm -hmm. just this movie they watch in the story and they they get to think through it all and so I don't think you have to be told it's real for it to have real magic Mm -hmm. yeah so anyway another article I found on psychologytoday.com In this article, it talks a lot about the book called The Santa Lie, Is the Christmas Con Hurting Our Kids? And the author of that book is Melinda Wenner Moyer. And she argues that the Santa lie belongs in the good lie pile and that there's no need for guilt for telling your children this lie because parents invoke him for their kids' sake. And the person writing the article disagrees. They say... That we need to pay attention to that twinge of guilt to steer us clear of the immoral, potentially dangerous behavior. Yeah, Um, I don't like the idea of there being good lies and bad lies. That just seems like a, for lack of a nicer way mm -hmm. to say it, a selfish way Mm -hmm. to allow your behavior. Yeah. Sounds like you're telling yourself a good lie. (laughs) Yeah, so bouncing some ideas. So I brought up at work this week that... Our episode this week was going to be on Santa Claus, and Mm -hmm. Santa Claus has been a topic of discussion this week because they are, like, in the process of taking their kiddos to go take pictures of Santa and see Santa. But I guess a lot of children actually are extremely afraid of Santa Claus. I don't blame them. So we've all seen the images where, like, babies are whale crying, toddlers are screaming, trying to run away from Santa's lap. 
And I did a little bit of research into this because I was in shock because I could not remember in my childhood if there was a point where I was actually afraid of Santa Claus. I think I would have been as a kid because we didn't believe in Santa. We didn't take pictures of Santa, but I, I fully believe I would have been afraid of him. Yeah. And so I guess just to briefly touch on it, I don't have any sources off the top of my head, but um, from what I was finding... I guess they were saying that in the developmental period for children, like, ages, like, one where they can actually recognize faces to, like, three or four, I think four was the cutoff age, there's this inherent kind of fight or flight fear that is within human beings in general, where, similar to why zombie movies are so scary, where they look like humans, but they look like jacked up humans, you don't see people with gigantic beards and rosy cheeks and all red clothing it's a very dramatic kind of over-the-top character and on top of that like for example let's say we're comparing it to like if they go like you take a three-year-old to um Disneyland and they're meeting all the characters there let's say they meet a princess well they know the princess is a character that in their family it's just like a princess and it's a movie and it's a story and, they've seen and it's it before fun and, it, yeah. and it's not like they're think i mean maybe they think the problem is that there's like this line between like they mentioned in the articles um this fantasy world where like magic could be a part of your life yeah but there's this cognition of recognizing faces and kind of being a little bit i mean it's the flight mode that humans inherently go into when it looks like it could be human but also looks like it could be a threat and so i Mm. think children fear santa because of probably the big beard and it's probably kind of hard to see his face yeah and i think there actually are a lot of babies out there who are afraid of people with beards this is gonna sound (laughs) like a very silly comparison my dog is afraid of people that wear hats and have beards. And my dogs, we've had them since they were puppies. Like, they've been treated very well. They haven't had any, like, traumatic things happen. But for whatever reason, they're very skeptical of... It's men, usually, because men have beards. Mm -hmm. So men who are wearing, like, a ball cap kind of hat and a beard and especially sunglasses, like, the less of their face they can see, Mm -hmm. the more skeptical my dogs are of people and so i would say it's probably similar because it's so much based on instincts at that age Mm -hmm. that it's just like i can't see your face like something's not right here yeah and maybe they can tell it's a fake beard i don't know yeah so maybe when your dogs grow up and (laughs) because they're still relatively young doggos and once kids grow up over the age of four they start realizing that they haven't been injured or attacked by this type of being before so they're like cool with it and it's more fun and they're more relaxed around those characters so i will say my older dog has gotten better about people with beards and hats Mm -hmm. so to continue with that article the author suggests that the Santa lie should be avoided for three reasons. It's an unjustified lie, it risks damaging your parental trustworthiness, and it encourages ill-motivated behavior. One of the arguments people made in response was essentially the argument that the Santa lie promotes imagination and imagination is good for kids. So I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, yeah. personally, I I do skew more on the side of like, and as I mentioned, probably don't lie to your kids so intensely that it's like, if you're not good, Santa will not come. And if, like, that mm-hmm. happens and you get garbage sent down the <laughs> thing, then you're an ill 
worthy child and you were bad and you deserved it and you'll never yeah. get this Christmas back and you should suffer. Like You know, you saying that makes me think, so when kids have traumatic things happen to them, which hopefully is rare, but it happens when something in their life goes wrong, um, as extreme to maybe like someone in their life passes away or something and or, or maybe they get hurt, the idea that they deserve it should not be part of the picture. Yeah. And I, I can see why maybe the idea that you got cold in your stocking or you didn't get as good of presents or that you could be punished for behaving poorly, I think I could see why that could set up a kid for thinking that anything bad happening could be their fault. Mm-hmm. And that is a scary thought. And if if we're tying it back into the overlap, um, especially in America with Christianity mm-hmm. and comparing... So if you think about the age range where children are more susceptible to believing and understanding the story of Christmas mm-hmm. and Santa Claus and reindeer and magic than they are all of the Bible verses. Yeah. That this, so you mentioned a while back about your spirituality that something that was practiced in your religion was that, or in your household, I guess, about your religion, is that you were supposed to believe in God even though you can't prove it. Yeah. So the same thing with Santa Claus. You're mm-hmm. teaching your child, although you never see him, you should believe in him. Yeah. And we shouldn't have to prove it, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. I think in some ways, I've seen, my point is I've seen both sides where Christians either do it to help promote and teach their children about the magic and having beliefs and not questioning them mm-hmm. to Christianity, but you had the reverse where it's a story and your mother didn't want you to believe in a lie so that mm-hmm. they wouldn't think that the Jesus thing was a lie. Yeah. So you can see both sides there yep. yet again. So the article author kind of takes a hit towards the imagination excuse or creativity excuse that it promotes that in children. She said, imagination involves pretending and to pretend that someone exists, one has to believe something doesn't exist. Does the Christian imagine that Jesus rose from the dead? Does the Muslim imagine that Muhammad rose his horse Barak at lightning speed from Mecca to Jerusalem and then ascended into heaven? Of course not. They believe these things are true. Tricking a child into literally believing that Santa exists doesn't encourage imagination. It actually stifles it. If you really want to encourage imagination in your children, tell them that Santa doesn't exist, but that you're going to pretend like he does anyway on Christmas morning. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So she's a lot more opinionated about that, I suppose. I guess I would say at the end of the day, you and I had complete opposite ways that we were raised in this facet and I would say we both turned out pretty good so I would say (laughs) put some thought into it and decide actively how you want to raise your children in this Mm -hmm. way and you know how you want to communicate that to them but beyond that I don't think anyone is ruining their child I I think that yeah I agree I I think that your kids will turn out fine either way Mm -hmm. just make sure that you make an active choice and that you're thinking about it and and thinking ahead about how you're going to tell them Santa's not real if you do and all that. So so just be thoughtful about it. But at the end of the day, I I think anything is 
fine. And mainly, you don't have to take our advice because we're that not too. parents yet. And we're just kind of saying this for our future selves we're ta- to keep we're, in mind. <laughs> yeah, we're coming from the perspective of we were children not that long ago. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So to kind of flush it out a little bit, let's look at the actual pros and cons that we've talked about. So the pros of saying Santa is real is that it encourages imagination, debatable. It encourages good behavior. Okay. It reflects Christian beliefs and promotes Christmas magic. And there's a lot of fun behind the story, right? So we can talk about writing the letter to Santa, baking cookies and leaving them for him and waking up in the morning and seeing the changes to the cookies and the bites out of them and the crumbs and following them over to the Christmas tree (laughs) and all that. There's a lot of like magic to that story and that can't be taken away from this Mm -hmm. and I think to me that's the part I hold in my heart the most that's kind of a bummer about if I were to make the decision to not tell my children that Santa exists that some of that fun and magic might be squandered but Mm -hmm. anyway and the cons are technically it's a lie And your child may have no behavior changes and it encourages, and I have this quote here, when our kids act kindly out of the goodness of their hearts, not because threats are bribes, it naturally reinforces that behavior. Kids that are rewarded for doing something experience less enjoyment and are less motivated to do that behavior again. And so, I mean, we can see that day to day, right? That's interesting because in a way it's almost the reverse of what you'd expect, but it also makes sense. Mm -hmm. I I mean, for me, I feel the best when I do something that I know I'm only doing out of my the nice. kindness of your heart. Yes, exactly. So um, like paying for someone's coffee behind you for no reason, just because for me, and this is a good life hack for everybody out there. If you're having a crap day and things are not going your way, and you're feeling like garbage, do something nice for someone else. Mm -hmm. I've either paid for the coffee behind me or I think "Mm, that's about it (laughs) because I'm usually getting coffee. Coffee is the way to our hearts. (laughs) Exactly. Um, It makes me feel so much better. Oh, and I guess the other thing I do is I reach out to someone, either like a parent or I have a sister, and just let them know that I'm thinking about them and I love them and care about them kind of out of the blue. And that always tends to at least improve my mood. Yeah. And so um, it feels just less justified if there's a reward to mm-hmm. it, you know? Yeah. The reward is the joy you feel to share the love and magic. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, those are the pros and cons that I've seen. And so I hope in the future I can raise some good kids <laughs> and not feel like I'm lying to them, but also give them magic. Yep. So I think that's something that we will continue to um, think through and, you know, it'll get a lot more real if and when we have children. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I I guess I just encourage people to be thoughtful about those types of things in their life. But, of course, we are not experts. We're just fascinated. Yep. So you can subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts to hear us again next week. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And if you have information to add to this week's episode. Or opinions to tell us about Santa. Or, yeah, if you want to tell us all the ways we're wrong. (laughs) Or facts we didn't know, things like that. Uh, You can email us at friendsfascinated at gmail.com and then be featured on the beginning of a future episode, hopefully. And we can't wait to blow your mind next week with more curiosities. You've just listened to another episode of Friends Fascinated. Thanks for listening.